Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. Today's message is from Pastor Kurt. We talked about this 2027 vision, how the Lord wants us to redig some old wells that have been filled up with dirt and dig some new wells. And the Lord's given each one of us a spiritual shovel, if you will, uh, meaning the spiritual gifts that he has endowed to us to use to bring glory to his name. We spent a few months in this summer just asking the Lord, where do you want us to begin digging? Where do you want us, where is this work uh, supposed to start as you want us to fulfill this vision that you have for us? And two weeks ago, as I was preparing last week's message, he made it very, very clear the digging has begun. It is time to grab your shovel and join in. And that's what my invitation to you is, is to grab your shovel to join in for what the Lord is doing. Last May, when I talked about this vision that the Lord has, we talked about these wells that were redug and new wells that were dug, but I did not talk about the original purpose of why the wells needed to be dug in the first place. So I want to take a few minutes to give you context of where we are headed into this fall and into the future here in these upcoming years. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. The verses are always up on the screen, but you can turn there if you want to. A man named Abraham, if you grew up in church, or if you've been around the church for a while, you understand who he is. Uh, back in the beginning, he was named Abram, then the Lord changed his name to Abraham. Well, before he ever dug his first well, before he ever had his first child, he was 75 years old, probably thinking, okay, I'm not having any children. Uh, and he's 75, and the Lord speaks to him as he's going about his day. And the Lord said to Abram, starting at verse 1, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land where I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. Now picture this, 75 years old, no children at all. And he says here, I will make you into a great nation. Verse three, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. I mean, that would be mind-blowing to hear that. Picture this. This is an average guy going about his day. And he's like, every person on the face of this earth will be blessed through you. So what did Abram do? He did probably like, a lot of us wouldn't have done, we would have probably ran the other way. Like, this is crazy, Lord. What are you saying over our life? But it says, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he had set out from Haran. So there's a huge vision, huge purpose that is placed on Abram's life that would eventually affect millions upon millions of people. But it first required a step of faith. It required Abram getting out of his comfort zone, walking away from everything that he has known to be safe and comfortable. It required him to step out into the unknown. And if you look throughout Scripture, and if you look at your life as well, whenever the Lord clarifies a purpose that he has for you, if he casts vision over your life, or over a church family like he has this past spring. It is going to require faith. It is going to require us stepping out of our comfort zone. It's gonna require us to go into the unknown where we haven't been before. And what do most of us want? 
Most of us want to have everything lined up, right? We want to know where our provision is going to come from. We want to know where the people are going to be. But if we knew all those things beforehand, it would not require faith, would it? Would it? You guys are quiet blinds. At least shake your head. Show me something. Come on, you're awake. Here we go. This isn't first service now. They have a little bit of excuse, but we try to warm them up too. But what did Abram do? The Lord did not say, listen, it's all going to be funded. You're going to find the right wells for the water for your family. All the money's there. All the people are there. Absolutely not. He said, step out. Leave your current country. And Abram did. He stepped out. And we see time and time again in Scripture and in your own life, the Lord will provide wisdom for the provision you need in a future season as you're stepping into the unknown. And that provision could be the people that he's surrounding you with. That provision could be the funding that he has for the calling over your life. It could be the right people in the right places at the right time. That door is open up. But we have to start with a step of faith. Amen? So this is what we're doing. We're pressing into the unknown places that we haven't experienced before as a church, and we're gonna trust that the Lord will show us every step of the way. So Abram, his name gets changed to Abraham. He has his first child, Isaac, and now his family begins to grow. Now, as his family's growing and his servants and there's land to be tended and there's animals to be taken care of, guess what they need as they're going into new territory? They need water so they could sustain their life. So this is where Abraham actually is required to dig these wells, and his servants are digging these wells. It's not just like, okay, Abraham's like, go out there and dig a hole until you find water. No, there was a need. There was a purpose for the well, and it was to sustain life. So the mission and vision and purpose of the Lord over Abraham's family was fulfilled. And there's also a purpose for the shovel to get the well dug. So we see in Genesis chapter 21, Abraham complains that one of his wells was taken from him. They go into a treaty with the roller because he didn't know about it. In verse 30, Abraham replies to this roller, please accept these seven lambs to show you're in agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means well of the oath, because uh, because that was where they had sworn the oath. So Abraham continues to expand his family. He's literally seeing the vision and the purpose of the Lord in his life come to pass. Then he goes to be with the Lord. His son now takes over uh, as the one leading this family. And Isaac wants to see what the former generation plowed ground. He wanted to see the blessing and benefit from that. And he also wanted to see the purposes fulfilled. So down in Genesis chapter 26, starting at verse 12, it says, Isaac planted his crops that year. He harvested a hundred times more grain than he had planted. He couldn't do this in his own power. He couldn't have planned this out, but the hand of the Lord was upon him. Isaac was walking out the vision that God gave to his forefather, and he was blessed because of it. He became very rich, and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herd of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father, Abraham. Listen, anytime 
that we step out personally or corporately, there will be opposition. The enemy will get jealous that we're taking ground for the Lord, and he will try to cover up what giftings, what passions, and what calling he's placed. But Isaac wasn't having it. Isaac wasn't, uh, wasn't afraid of the opposition. He continued to step forth. So even in verse 16, Abimelech orders Isaac to leave. So Isaac actually obeys. He moves away to the Gerar Valley, it's called, where he sets up tents. In verse 18, it says this. He reopened these wells that his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in. Isaac also restored the names Abraham had given them. I talked about this last week. I talked about it back in May. But I want you to see now, they weren't just digging wells because they were thirsty. They were digging wells with a greater purpose that God had called Abraham to be the father of nations. Can you imagine this when Isaac's like, man, like that's a lot of dirt in those wells. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth redigging those wells and going to new wells? He could have said, you know what, we're just gonna go back to another land that's run by another you know, governor or ruler and we'll just drink off of their water. Absolutely not. Isaac understood in his heart that the digging of these wells is for the purpose of his lineage becoming a great nation that every person on the face of the earth would end up being blessed because of it. Not even knowing that Jesus Christ would be that reason. So now you get, kind of get a grasp of, man, this was a lot of hard work, redigging and digging. It's a lot of work to supply life source of water for their family, but it was worth it because it was attached to the larger vision of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 26, verse 19, it says, Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. Verse 21, verse 22 25 and 32, they continue to dig new wells. Isaac says, I will continue to move forward until I see the fulfillment of what the Lord has given us. And this is what I want to do. I want us to have an understanding and a purpose of why we're asking you to pick up your spiritual shovel to join in on the digging. It's a greater purpose, right? It's not, it's not for our own attention. It's not for us to accomplish anything in the natural. It's for us to say, we have obeyed the Lord. We have seen his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the area that he wants for this church family. So last May, I talked about these wells, and I just want to revisit them because I didn't share with the specifics last week. There are three old wells that I believe help this church get to where uh, it, it is in this moment, and there are three new wells that I believe that the Lord has for us. In these old wells, this first one is the well of his presence. We've seen through the 70 years of the history of Central, we have valued the presence of the Lord and what he wanted to do in moments of worship and prayer. And we will, and we already are, putting a heightened awareness on his presence. Just like Pastor Adam invited people to come forth, that we can have the expectation, either by ourselves or corporately, we can get into the presence of God and leave changed. Like how many of you actually believe that? You can leave changed. You come in, you encounter the Lord, you see a perspective of him that you've never seen before and you leave a different person. Your Bible that you read regularly has story after story of this happening. We will see lives changed through the well of his presence. 
That second one is the well of divine calling. I've said it several times, to 70 years, at least the ones that we know about, we have over 125 individuals who are in full-time ministry, missions, evangelism that came from Central and was sent out. Over these last few decades, we've seen a dip in those numbers. I'm not sure if it's because we haven't focused on this first well of his presence or not, but I do not believe that the will of the Lord has changed over this house. So we intend to step into it. We in intend to leave space either in our services, our worship services, Super Church, The Rock, our Hispanic church, and we will see the Lord move in people's lives to respond to that full-time vocational ministry. We've already seen it a few weeks ago. The last one is the well of personal witness. This church grew time and time again because people would get outside these walls, they would talk about Jesus, and they would invite people to church. Like this isn't a complicated like approach. There has to be a willingness to start a spiritual conversation with somebody else about Jesus, and you can lead them to the Lord right there if the Lord opens that door. And you also have a resource in your church family that you can invite them to. So we believe that the Lord in due time is going to stir us up in personal witness where we will see growth, not just from other churches or not just from, from people who are already Christians, but brand new people coming, coming, coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So there's three new wells. There's three old wells that we're supposed to redig, and three new wells that we're going to dig. The first is this well of multiplication. We want to multiply disciples in this church. We want to use 2 Timothy 2.2 as a model, a standard. Now, Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.2 does not say that group members get together and complete a semester, and that is just it. What 2 Timothy 2.2 shows is this. Paul teaches Timothy, and Paul tells Timothy to teach other reliable people who can then teach other people. So there's four generations. You have Paul being the spiritual father of Timothy, the grandparent of the other reliable men and women, and then the spiritual great-grandparent of the others who they teach. That will become our standard of discipleship. Amen? You don't even have to believe me right now. I'm telling you, that's where we're going. You're like, that sounds complicated. It's not complicated. You be discipled and you make disciples until the people you're discipling begin to make more disciples. Out of that, we do believe, as, as, as there's a multiplication happening, we believe that in these next five years, the Lord will allow us to multiply as a church three times, whether it's a church plant or whether it's multi-site. The Lord's gonna have to show up. We're gonna step out of our country. We're gonna step out of our comfort zone. He's gonna supply the people. He'll supply the places. He'll supply the funding. I've never been more confident in my life than now that he's going to do this. This second new well is a well of transformation. We believe that the Lord wants to give us a resource center here that would allow for physical healing ministry, inner healing ministry, deliverance ministry, counseling, and coaching. So people who are broken, battered, abused, hurting can come in and get healing. And on the other side of it, people that are walking in their destiny, filled with the Spirit, wants just a little bit more guidance, a little bit more help of how to step out of their comfort zone, there'll be help for everyone. It's the second well that we believe. A third well is a well of expansion. 
We do believe if we, if we work diligently to multiply disciples here and grow through personal witness, that the Lord is going to double our size, including all of our uh, campuses. And we're not trying to grow to count numbers. We're trying to push back the darkness. We're trying to advance the kingdom of God everywhere we go. If we're doing that effectively, more and more people will be born again. Amen? The second area of expansion, it deals with our education. We're believing that the Lord in the next five years will provide us with a early education center, a new building that will be able to house our uh, preschool and nursery school, our daycares all the way up through third grade. Our, our, our uh, school is bursting at the seams right now. We believe that the Lord is going to supply that. This last well of expansion, we believe, will be in the entrepreneurship area. The Lord has already sent us entrepreneurial business leaders, and we believe that these men and these women are gonna partner with others who wanna take that area by force for the kingdom of God, and that we're gonna train leaders up, and we're gonna send out and pilot and start new uh, ministries and new businesses through that. This is what I believe. I believe that God has called you to central in this season of your life for a great purpose. You are not here by accident. And you are not here to come in and sit down for 90 minutes and then leave. God has actually placed you in this church family with giftings, passions, abilities that we didn't have before you stepped into this room. So if you look at the entire body of Christ, and I know that that spans across the world, but if you look at just what he's given central as a local body of Christ, you are a valuable part of that. Don't ever think, well, I'm just new here. or I haven't been a believer long enough. No, God has sent you here on purpose and it's for his greater purpose, right? So we're not just trying to keep you busy at all. We're saying you're valuable enough in the kingdom to grab a shovel and join in. It's how we're going to be able to express the fullness of who Jesus is and who he was while he walked the face of this earth. So if you're just coming here and you say, okay, I'll take a little, uh, I'll take a little silver shovel and I'll get my big shovel and I'll, I'll learn what my spiritual gifts are and I'll just start digging. I'll start digging and pastor asked me to, so I'm gonna start digging. If you're not aware that it's for a greater purpose to fulfill his purpose in your life and the vision he has, you're gonna get bored, frustrated, burned out. You'll get mad at me. Why does Pastor Greg ask me to do this? I'm, my hand, I have calluses, my feet hurt, the rock, I'm hitting rocks, the dirt's hard. And you'll be miserable. You'll be miserable. It's tied to a greater purpose. How many of you have seen the movie or read the novel Holes before? Just a few of you. There were just a few in the first service too. So this movie, I, I watched the movie, not, I did not read the novel. So the movie was about a teenager named Stanley who was falsely accused of stealing a valuable pair of shoes. So he was sent to this teenage correctional facility where every day they would have to go out and dig one hole that was five feet deep. Every single day, a teenager would grab a shovel and they would just dig and dig and dig. And the only reason why they told them, they said, digging these holes is going to build character. No, it's not. It's going to frustrate them. It's gonna just, just beat them up. So in the heat of the day, they would go and dig and dig and dig. They'd go home, shower up. They'd be tired, exhausted. The next day, they'd come back. They'd dig and dig and dig. And from their mind's eye, from their perspective, there was absolutely no purpose to it whatsoever. 
When you progress a little bit more into the movie or into the novel, you'll find out that the warden, who is a female, had a great purpose. In fact, her ancestors had hidden a, uh, a treasure chest underneath the, the ground, somewhere in that entire region. And her purpose was for these holes to be dug until that treasure was found. I started thinking, man, if this was a real life story and that warden said, listen, I know you guys are in trouble, but there's a, there's a treasure that's hidden under here somewhere. And if you guys come alongside and we can all work as a team, when we find that treasure, you're all gonna get some of it. You're all gonna be rewarded. Everybody will benefit. I guarantee you there'd be a lot more passion. They'd probably be, they'd probably be digging a hole that's eight feet deep, probably three holes a day. Why? Because they wanted to see the purpose fulfilled. In the church, you are not just digging to get tired. You are doing it to accomplish a vision that the Lord has over your life and this church family. And we're not doing it for selfish reward. We're not doing it for attention. We're not digging wells so we get likes on Facebook. We are doing it to bring honor to the King, Lord Jesus. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. And we have to keep that perspective in mind. So if we ask you, be disciple to make disciples, serve in the ministry, pray when your schedule allows you to come in. We're doing our best to tie this into the mission that the Lord has us on. It's interesting when we take a shovel, a spiritual shovel, and we dig these wells, and you're not doing it for attention, you're not doing it for personal gain or reward, the Lord is always, always, always faithful to bring your life to a point of fulfillment and satisfaction. Like I, I honestly have never met, I can say the word never here, never met a person who's walking in their spiritual gifts and serving faithfully that says, you know what, I am just miserable. I'm doing everything the Lord asked me to do and I'm miserable. I'm drained, I'm tired, can't do it. I don't even feel them, absolutely not. Even during difficult times, even when it's hard, even when there's perceived failures, there's a satisfaction and a fulfillment that you're not gonna get anywhere else. You're not gonna get anywhere else. So I believe that the Lord wants to make it plain to us that there's a purpose for the wells to be dug to fulfill the vision. And there's also a purpose for your shovel, your spiritual gifts. There's three different areas in scripture. I'm gonna kind of, bounce through them pretty quick today and we'll get into them deeper where it talks about spiritual gifts. And I do not believe that this is a, um, a fully inclusive list of gifts. I don't think Paul was like, hey, make a chart out of this and then teach people, which we do. But I don't, I don't, we go further than just that. Um, because there's things like craftsmanship, worship. There's other things throughout the Old Testament and New where there's evidence, there's giftings in people's lives that Paul doesn't mention. But in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and Ephesians 4, and those three locations are giftings and callings that the Lord has given to the body of Christ. So in Romans chapter 12, it's verses 4 through 8. Even if you want to jot them down to reference later, I want to go down to verse 6, uh, where, he's, where Paul says this, We have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So what is he saying? He's saying, find out 
what shovel is placed in your hand and then use it. That's what he's saying. He's, saying, he's not saying if, you're, if your gift is leading, just sit back and let everybody else lead. No, he's saying if your gift is leading, do it diligently. Put your hand to the shovel and dig that hole. If it's giving, don't just give a little. Give generously because God's gifted you with that by his grace. Do you see this? How in the body of Christ, it's actually an abuse of his gifts if he's giving you things and you're holding on to it. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough wisdom. I don't have enough energy. I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough scripture. Is any of that a valid excuse? The Holy Spirit has given you gifts to use. We can use them. Amen? So the next one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Earlier, before he lists uh, the actual gifts, he says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is actually manifesting himself, demonstrating himself through you when you use your gifts. It says it's for the common good. The common good good. So this is where you might have the snow shovel, you might have the spade, you might have the pole digger, you might have one that looks completely different than anybody else. But when we are all working toward the same purpose, we are one body. Many different parts, one body. Many different shovels, many different gifts, but one body with one purpose. He goes on to list these gifts in verse 8 through 11 talks about a message of wisdom, a message of knowledge. You want to go down to verse 9. Faith, gifts of healing. Verse 10, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, different kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Now watch this, verse 11. All of these, or all these are the work of one and the same spirit, as he distributes them to each one, just as he determines. So I got bad news for those of you who have the snow shovel. Yes, you gotta wake up early. Yes, you gotta get onto that ice and you're cold and it's blizzard and somebody else with the summer shovel, I don't know where that is. They get to wait until the springtime. But this is as he has determined, right? If I know that the Holy Spirit has handed me a snow shovel, there's no way I'm trying to grab something else. I want what he wants me to have. And I want to use it with wisdom. I want to use it with passion. And I want to use it to the fullest extent that I know how. It's the Holy Spirit's choice what you've been gifted with. In Ephesians 4, uh, back in the older days, we would call these the office of, and that confuses people. So this is really like a calling that's on someone's life. It's not just a gift but really a set of gifts that help these people walk and equip the body. It says in verse 11, uh, Christ gave, great, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And what they are meant to do is to give themselves their entire lives to equip his people, the body of Christ, for the works of the service. So these men and women who are anointed and gifted in that area are to help us carry our shovels with excellence, with faith, with confidence. All these different gifts, but one body. So this is the bottom line here of today of why we're even talking about the purpose before the actual shovel and the gifts itself is this. The main purpose of spiritual gifts is to reflect 
and reveal the glory of God on this earth. If you look at scripture, you will find verses that say spiritual gifts are used for the common good. They're used for the strengthening of the church. They're used for the edification of the church, uh, the building up of the body, some translations say. Those things are all absolutely true. They're found in scripture. But if you look at the overall purpose, what they are meant to do is the Holy Spirit to use humans like us. We're not divine. We're not perfect. We're fallible. But a divine God uses us with the giftings he's given us. And we get to actually reflect his glory and help reveal hidden glory in other people's lives. You might say, well, the glory of God, isn't that like in a worship service where, you know, just the glory falls and you can just sense it? Absolutely that is. That's one manifestation of the glory of God. But if you think of the glory of God in a broader sense, it is his splendor and his beauty that radiates through all of his divine attributes. All of them. Look at the life of Jesus. Jesus exuded and radiated the glory of God. And yet when people were around him, they didn't always feel goosebumps. In fact, they were offended a lot of times too because he was bringing life to them from a different perspective. But Jesus was filled with all of God's divine attributes. Jesus operated in all of the spiritual gifts. He represented God perfectly. And now guess what we get to do? We get to take the spirit of the living God that is in us and reflect what he's doing through his glory radiating. Follow these verses out in Hebrews chapter one, verse three. In the Old Testament, the prophet of the Lord was who would speak for God. So he would talk to the nations about what God wanted them to. In verse three, it shows that Jesus in the New Testament was God in the flesh. It says this, the son, meaning Jesus, radiates God's own glory and he expresses the very character of God. Listen to that phrase again. Jesus radiates God's own glory and he expresses the very character of God. That means it wasn't just Jesus' words, it was his life, it was his actions. Everything Jesus did represented God's glory on this earth. So picture this, now when he sits with people and there's no worship music playing and he's having a conversation and he's showing mercy, he's showing forgiveness, compassion, that's actually God's glory radiating from Jesus and revealing what God wants to do in somebody else's life. So think about what we have the opportunity to do. We grab a shovel and we start using our gifts. And though we're not divine by any way, shape, or form, we have the divine working through us. Now we can reflect a gifting that God has given us and it impacts somebody so much that they understand a purpose that they've been, a lot, that they've been born for. Jesus actually sent us on this mission. In John chapter 20, after he dies, he's resurrected. He's talking to his disciples. And in verse 21, he says this, peace be with you. I love how he says that to you. He's like, all right, guys, get ready. Peace be with you. Don't fall over. Peace be with you. All right. He says, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. Now, when you hear that, now you're like, okay, that's why he said, peace be with you first. Like he was setting them up so they didn't pass out, right? As the father has sent me, now I send you. Now, Peace is only going to hold them so far when he says, you now have the same assignment I did. So in that moment, 
He breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they have the impartation of the Spirit of God in them to actually carry out this assignment. Again, are they divine? No. Are we dying on a cross like Jesus? No. Can we have, do we have the power to forgive people's sins like Jesus? No. Do we have the same assignment to destroy the works of the enemy, to radiate God's glory by using our spiritual gifts as Jesus did? Absolutely. Absolutely. We say, well, that's not possible. We can't do it. I, I want to show you two other verses in Colossians. Pastor Adam, you can come up if you don't mind. Colossians chapter one, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So Paul is every, everywhere Jesus went, he was the visible image, the visible manifestation of the God who we cannot see. And in the very next chapter, these two chapters are super powerful. I mean, actually the entire book of Colossians is awesome. If you go to the next chapter, it kind of picks this theme back up in verse nine. It says, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human body. Picture that. All the fullness of God the Father was in God the Son in a human body. Verse 10 says, so also you are complete through your union with Christ. So if we picture Jesus having the fullness of God coming out of him, radiating from him. And now they're saying, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus, you're complete in Jesus. So if Jesus has the fullness of God in him, and we can ask for the fullness of Christ through the Holy Spirit to fill us to overflowing, we can do this. We can do this. We can use our spiritual gifts by faith and see the kingdom come. Amen? Picture this, if you use your spiritual gift of teaching, you're using a shovel that God's placed in your hands, you're reflecting that gift, and what somebody is revealed is the wisdom of God. They now know something about their lives, something about God, something about where to go. Think about if you're operating in the gift of healing or miracles, you're reflecting the divine nature of God to heal and to perform miracles. All you're doing is trusting Him, you're reflecting it to someone else, and now what is revealed to them? Healing, wholeness, freedom. Are you seeing this? As you reflect, you're actually digging dirt out of their life. You're saying, I'm gonna take that abuse, I'm gonna take that damage, that rebellion, whatever it is, I'm gonna start digging. I'm gonna start digging. I'm gonna partner with you with my gifts until all that junk, all that dirt is out and we find life, we find water in someone else's life hospitality. You have somebody over for dinner. Well, that's not spiritual. Yes, it is. It's a gift. So you, you show hospitality. You reflect the gift of hospitality, the gift of mercy, the gift of serving, and what's revealed in their life. God hasn't forgotten about me. God hasn't forgotten. God, God accepts me. God knows me enough to send this person to invite me to their house. Right? You, may, you might not see them shaking and trembling while they're eating your bread, unless it's really, really good bread, then they might. But do you understand that? Sitting across the table from somebody that you felt led by the Lord to invite them over for dinner is actually reflecting glory of God in their life? Is digging out dirt of discouragement, loneliness, alienation? Come on, we have to start looking at these things as spiritual. 
we have to stop looking at these things as just, oh yeah, these are just natural. Absolutely not. You can stand at this time. I'm gonna read one more verse to you. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says this. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So we're, we're freedom. We can see spiritually speaking. For the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So watch verse 18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. It does not say that you've been through enough leadership training, so now you can. It doesn't say you've been a member of Central for 10 years and now you can. It doesn't say you look just right, so now you can. It actually says all of us who have had the veil removed can do two things. We can see it, which means it's been revealed to us. And we can also reflect the glory of the Lord. And it says here, and the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into the image and changed into his glorious image. So we take these these shovels that we feel like the Lord's handing us. We say, Jesus, this isn't about me. These gifts aren't for me. They are for others. They are to reflect you and they are to reveal the hidden glory, the hidden value, the hidden destiny in the people's lives that are around me. Help me to become more like you. That's what we're doing. Help me to become more like you. That's why we have something as simple as a mini shovel to take home as a reminder that you are valuable, that you are gifted no matter what age you are, no matter your background, you have been given gifts. That's why we have these booklets to say, try something out. Right? Don't even overthink it. Ask the Lord, show me something to sign up for and try something out. That's why we have that assessment uh, training next Sunday during both services so you could be trained in one and come to a service the next just to discover one more step of what your spiritual gifts are. That's why we have a small group on it that's being led right now on spiritual gifts that continue to discover these things. So all I wanna do is this. I feel like the Lord just wants us to pray a simple prayer that the Lord would activate any gifts in your life that you're not aware of right now. It's a simple prayer. If you're just not aware that the Lord will actually activate it, it will bring it to life today, like as we pray. And that the Lord will reactivate. Like if you've ever done that before where you had a subscription somewhere, like I don't know if I'm really using it. And then once you don't have it, you're like, oh, you know what? I did use that. I want to reactivate something I used to have. The Lord's going to reactivate things in your life today as we pray. They're like, you know what? I used to be good at that when I was like 14 or 16. I haven't even used that. I believe the Lord's gonna bring you back to some things uh, in that area. So Heavenly Father, we in this moment, we just pray right now that you would activate spiritual gifts that are in people's lives to a point where even as they go about their week as they go about their day, as they go about moments, they would actually see these things starting to be manifested in their life. That God, they wouldn't have to wait until they sign up for a ministry. That as they go out, even to lunch today and into their workday tomorrow, they would start to see these giftings being sharpened and honed in and clarified, Lord Jesus. The Father, that you would just raise a level of excitement to be used by you, that we would be ones that are counted worthy to be used by you to reflect and reveal your glory. 
Father, for those who are in a a season of discouragement or for those who don't feel like they can be used anymore or used at all, I pray that you would reactivate things that they know are already inside of them, things they have already seen fruit and fulfillment, things they already know they're good at. I pray that you would reactivate give a special focus to them this week that you want them to pick that shovel up and start digging once again for their own life and for the body of Christ. Father, we thank you so, so much for that. We believe that it's going to be done in Jesus' mighty name. I thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media. 